Whitney, did you know that I don't even wear makeup? No, I didn't. I'm the complete opposite. I wear makeup all the time. (laughs) I can't be bothered except for mascara and a little tinted sunblock. But recently, BoxyCharm changed my mind. Well, it makes sense. The great thing about BoxyCharm is the fact that it's only $25 a month and you get five full-sized makeup and skincare products from top beauty brands. So the retail value of this is over $125 straight dollars to your door. And you know, we like to save a buck. We do. And how many times, at least for me, I mean, I'll go to some of the beauty stores and buy a bunch of random stuff and end up spending $500 and never use it. Okay. This is good because you do a little beauty quiz online first. And then based on your preferences that you express, they kind of curate a little box for you and you get a box every month and it's risk-free. And I don't know, I like it. It's like a little prezi to myself, right? Like every month I'm getting this stuff and I'm like, oh yes, like I need this pollution defense booster for my skin. Or like, I need this Ola neon velvet liquid lipstick. I didn't know I needed it, but now I'm getting it every month and I'm loving it. I mean, your husband's going to be pretty like shocked when you come down with all this beautiful makeup ready to go. Ready to go. Also, not only does my husband like it, but this is kind of a cool thing. You can kind of connect with other beauty lovers. I mean, I'm not one of those people, but some people are very into makeup, you know, and they want to be in touch with other people who are too and talk about the products that they like and techniques that they're using. So that's kind of a cool thing is that they BoxyCharm creates this community that people can go to, which I like. Yeah, I love that too, because the exact things that you'll get in your BoxyCharm, the other beauty lovers are going to be using. So like you said, you can share tips and tricks instead of just randomly going on Instagram to see what one person is using and how to do it. This is actually right there. And for all of you charmers out there, you get exclusive offers when you purchase the products. And you can also refer friends and review the products. All kinds of great stuff. And I want you guys to know, head over to BoxyCharm.com. That's B-O-X-Y-C-H-R-M.com. And use the referral code Whitney or Wednesday at checkout. Yeah. And just sorry, I had to let Whitney talk because I was putting on my velvet liquid lipstick and you have no idea how sexy I look right now. I bet I do. You always look real fly. Mm, We're going to get it with our BoxyCharm. (laughs) Enjoy, guys. One of my favorite products right now is Purpose by Sovereignty. I've been using it almost every single day. It's been in my purse. It's in my car. Like I'm that obsessed with it. So Purpose is a CBG plus fermented and adaptogenic herbs blend. I mean, come on, right? Purpose's formula for daytime energy was specifically formulated to boost nitric oxide, you guys, which enhances sex drive. This formula includes seven plant-based ingredients like green tea extract, turmeric, blueberry, which has all been clinically proven to increase nitric oxide by, get this, 230%. Holy smokes. This leads to more arousal, better sex, and using all natural ingredients, which basically means, you guys, no Viagra prescription needed. Yes, let me repeat that. All natural ingredients, no Viagra prescription needed. All right. Another one of the reasons why I love Sovereignty so much is that these guys are not afraid to get creative. You know we're all about that here at True Sex and Wild Love. So in an extremely novel offer for my podcast listeners, they are doing something called 
your favorite money back guaranteed. So for True Sex and Wild Love listeners, you guys, my favorite people in the world, if you purchase the product and do not like it, not only will you get your money back, that's right, not only will you get your money back if you don't like it, but Sovereignty will buy you your favorite supplement instead. I mean, I've never even heard of this before, so this is why I'm telling you. They're extremely novel. They're crazy over there, and we love them for it. So what I want you to do is pause this podcast. Yes, pause this podcast and go to Sovereignty.co slash T-S-W-L immediately. Immediately right now. So one more time. That's go to Sovereignty, S-O-V-E-R-E-I-G-N-T-Y dot co slash T-S-W-L. You will not regret it. I promise you guys will love it as much as I do. Enjoy. All right, Wednesday, a little bit different this week, but still amazing. I mean, we have received so many questions from our Ask Us Anything Q&A, and so mm-hmm. we're just going to answer them. Yeah, I love doing these. I, and even like when we've done our workshops and stuff before in the past, it the Q&A is usually the most exciting part and people love that the most. And so this is, I'm, I'm pumped for this. I am too. I really appreciate when people open up to us and make themselves vulnerable. So I want to honor that as we dive into it. Yeah. All right. Well, let's do it. Let's start off with how can I improve trust in a long distance relationship? This is a great question. Mm, And it depends. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And I think it depends too where it probably a lot of people are separated during COVID right now for, I guess it's been six months almost. I mean, I have a couple of clients where it's been six months and they haven't seen each other because of quarantine. Like they can't actually get into the country. Are they struggling with that? I can only imagine. Yeah. That's rough. right. That's I mean, rough. that's wild. That's six, six months. months. Six months being separated, six months worrying about whether you can see each other again. Um, even if it's just um, was always a long distance relationship, I think that the pandemic adds an extra layer of stress to that because now it's harder to travel to see each other, right? So, mm-hmm. wow. So what is your advice that you give your clients when they come to you with this question in normal times and in COVID times? Yeah. So I think, you know, we're, we're talking specifically about improving trust. And I think defining what that is for you. Like what makes you feel really trustworthy within your relationship and trustworthy of your partner? Like what makes you feel safe and unsafe? So for me, emotional stability is what makes me trust in my partner. Mm. Um, And so I need to be able to have that even though we're not together geographically. Like if I, if I feel comfortable that, you know what, he's going to love me today and he's going to love me tomorrow Mm -hmm. and the next day. And that, um, that's going to allow me to really trust in the relationship and communication. Like this is, it's Mm -hmm. so huge to have communication in a long distance relationship, particularly because you can't touch and hold each other. Oh, which is, I mean, we're just such tactile creatures. We evolved for that. We have so many neurofeedback mechanisms that just thrive on that touch. And we are suffering not being able to touch. Hey, getting back to your point about defining what trust is. Do you find that a lot of times when people are talking about trust, it's really a way for them to talk about monogamy or not? Mm-hmm. Because what I wanted to say, piggybacking on what you already said, 
which is if your trust issue is about exclusivity, don't be scared to ask. I think the biggest regret will be, as you and I know, just presuming monogamy and then being shocked when it's not happening or presuming monogamy and feeling like this is too hard for you, but hey, you never know, your partner might be on the same page. So I think, yeah, yeah, I think one of the best ways to um, keep feeling that trust in a long distance relationship, uh, building on what you said, is be really clear about what trust means and be really clear about the role that sexual exclusivity is going to play. Because some people might be like, you know what, need to play as safely as possible. And some people might be like, there's a pandemic. I can't tolerate that. Or I understand that. So have that conversation, even though it feels so scary, right, Wit? I mean, do you find Mm -hmm. a lot of people avoid the monogamy discussion in their long distance relationships? I think people, regardless if they're in a long-distance relationship or not, want to avoid the monogamy conversation because they're like, oh, shit, what if my partner wants to be with somebody else? I'm just not going to talk about it. I'm going to ignore it and pretend like it doesn't happen. (laughs) Maybe this will just go away. Nope. (laughs) Well, yeah, I'm I'm down with exactly what you said, and I do think that in a long-term Uh, sorry, in a long distance relationship, it's just probably particularly destructive to sit there and uh, fantasize or catastrophize or just worry, you know, is my person being sexually exclusive or not? I mean, I'm 100% for just getting that out there and doing the other things uh, that you said. And how about, since we can't touch each other, how about just Make sure you're FaceTiming, right? Texting is yeah. Texting's not the same, is it? No. And yeah, I think like seeing their face, and I mean, even when it comes to like FaceTime, sex, all of these things can be really enjoyable, particularly for a long distance relationship. Try these new things on, because right now we don't know when we'll be able to be together in the same place. Um, and so just try it out and see, it can be really fun. It can be really fun to do those things. And, you know, to your point, when people see each other's faces, they actually get a bump of those neurotransmitters that not only improve mood, but improve connection. Oh, cool. And improved connection improves trust. Boom. You heard it right here. Improved connection improves Trust for all relationships. Whoa. I feel like we killed that one with. Damn. Look at us go. Damn. What's our next question? We're, I mean, it's probably because we're in a long-distance relationship, you know? We are in a long-distance <laughs> relationship. And, you know, we have our problems sometimes. And then we have our connection, which is really precious to me. Right. Exactly. That's what it's all about. It's all, it's all about, about that. Love it. All right. So this next question is very important. And I feel like a lot of people can relate to it. Mm-hmm. So this is a heterosexual monogamous um, couple oh, that, I've mar- that are married. Mm-hmm. And she says, my husband does not like to give oral. And as the wife, I love to give oral and I love to receive it. What do we do? Mm, right. She actually said, what can I do? What can I do? Yeah. And I loved how you changed that. You mm. reframed that in her mind, it was her issue. And by saying we instead, when you read the question, you reframed that in a powerful way for her. Mm. It's, not yeah. all, yeah, it's not all on her to fix this, right? No, absolutely not. So the first, not. the first thing to me is 
reframe this as a couple issue, right? It's like, it's not an issue that you like oral sex um, and you're liking something that he doesn't like. The issue is we're in a sexually exclusive relationship and both of our needs aren't mutually being met and both of our desires. I don't know. Does that make sense to you as a relationship coach? Yeah, for sure. The thing is, you know, this is interesting because if I'm around a man who is not into giving oral, I'm like, no, this is not going to happen. You and me are just sexually incompatible. Nope. Oh, you know that. <laughs> like out of the gate, if he does not eat pussy, it's not a go. That's right. If you ain't eating this cookie, you're not even going to have, you're not even going to go to the cookie shop. All right. <laughs> Ooh, cookie, my new favorite word. <laughs> <laughs> you just bumped up the meaning of cookie for me. I love, I love that. Yeah, you know, it's just, I don't, I mean, I would want to know the why. Like, what is the why behind us? Does he just not enjoy doing it? Does he doesn't enjoy the act? The, is there any sort of like past sexual trauma that maybe it, it brings up? Mm-hmm. Um, what is the why? Is he not considering my pleasure as much as his own pleasure? Good really point. understand that yeah. why. Really good point. And what is your advice in terms of how she starts that conversation to get to the why? I mean, to me, she should start by saying she should do the compliment sandwich, right? Totally. So the compliment sandwich, if people don't know, is first you say something really nice to your partner. Then you have your, I won't say criticism, but your issue. And then you end what you're saying with praise. So in this case, it would go like this. Honey, I really love you and our sex life is really important to me. You're a great partner. One thing that I've been feeling lately is that I'm really excited to have oral sex to receive it. And I know that it doesn't seem to be your thing. And I want us to get to a solution that works for both of us. And then mm-hmm. the other part of the compliment sandwich would be you something like, you know how much um, you mean to me. And I want you to know that I value you and our sex life a lot. I just, I don't know. I'm just taking a shot at that compliment. No, I sandwich. think that's great. But how does she, what, what else do you think other than starting with the compliment sandwich? How does she do this, Wit? Because you probably deal with this all the time. Not personally. Love, right? <laughs> I'm like, no, no we don't have that conversation because we don't even get to that point, okay? <laughs> but with your clients. You know what I mean. With your clients. All right. <laughs> I, I also love saying, you know, it really turns me on when I think about you going down on me. Or it really turns me on when I think of you trying this with me. So then you they get become a, a part of your fantasy and they don't think like, oh, there's something wrong here or I'm lacking or I'm in, inadequate in any way. I'm doing in, anything like that. It's like, hey, babe, when I think of you going down on me, I can't tell you how wet that makes me. That is so powerful. That's the middle of the compliment sandwich, right? <laughs> what yeah. you just said. Put that in the middle. <laughs> I like your point there that then you're bringing them into your excitement about you and them. Mm-hmm. That's really mm. good. And yeah. I mean, I'm wondering if this um, listener who sent this question has had this conversation before. We don't really know, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. We don't know. You know, when it comes to these questions, it, they can only put so much in the little Instagram box, right, <laughs> unfortunately. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I would love to know a little bit more of background here and what the conversations have been like. Has he ever wanted to give oral and then he stopped or has this always been this way? I'm just yeah. really interested in this. If this person is listening, hit us up. Let us know like give us a little bit more background and maybe we can dive into it a little bit more. Obviously, it'll be confidential. We don't say anyone's name mm-hmm. or anything on here unless they want us to. Um, right. But yeah, I think it would be interesting to know. And you know, on that topic, whether it has been a really long time and she hasn't said anything and she's saying it for the first time or she's asking again, no matter how long it's been, just props to her for mm-hmm. realizing this is something I want and need, right? And so I think we gave her some good guideposts to that conversation. Um, And, you know, sometimes if your partner won't please you in that way, that's going to be an ongoing conversation. And then there might be some other solutions. Are you going to go without that? Are you going to have sex while you watch porn of somebody going down on a woman that turns you on while you're with your partner? Or are you going to seek uh, a partner uh, who would be amenable to that, you know, with your partner's uh, consent? I don't know. There are many solutions here, but I love that she asked this question. Me too. Me too. You go, girl. Yeah. Um, Okay. I like this question. I cannot wait to hear your insight into this scientifically, because I know we've talked about this and we get hit up about this all the time. Yeah. But my man's libido um, is way down due to stress. How can I help him? Ooh, that is such a big one, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't know about you, but I am hearing so much about this. Okay, wait. Before the pandemic, I know you and I both used to talk about, and with each other, we would say, wow, I get a lot of questions from women who feel like they're freaks because their libido is higher or stronger than their male partner's libido. I mean, sometimes we hear from women who tell us that their libido is higher than their female partner's libido. But what really troubles women is when their libido is higher than their husband's libido because that violates the gender script, right? Mm -hmm. Men are supposed to to be these like charged up super sexual energizer bunnies. You just take them down off the shelf and they're fuck machines, right? (laughs) Right. That's what we've told women and men and people about male sexuality, but that's untrue. So the first thing I want this woman to understand is there are a lot, the male and female libido are basically equal if you measure it the right way. It is not unusual for a woman to have a stronger libido than a man at all. And she can reassure her man of that. She could get um, Sarah Hunter Murray's great book about men who go through periods where they have a lower libido or who else have a lower libido, right? That great book we love by Sarah Hunter Murray, Not Always in the Mood. Mm -hmm. Okay, now let's talk about the stress piece. Tell me what people, what guys are telling you about stress in their libido. What are you hearing? I mean, if if they have stress in their lives, a lot of the times they're just not having sex. They don't have the time. They don't want to think about it. They don't want to think about initiating it. They don't. It, they just don't even have the 
the wherewithal or the bandwidth to try to figure that out. And I feel like we're in this time now with a pandemic, it's even extra stress. Yeah, right. Exactly. So here's the thing. When you're reacting to stress, your body goes through changes in order to prepare you to either run away or stand and fight, right? And Mm. this is known, as you guys probably all know, as your fight or flight response. And when you're experiencing that response, you have like an increased heart rate, increased blood pressure, uh, your breathing rate is up, and like all your non-essential functions like growing fingernails, growing hair, and your libido, all those non-essential functions are diminished. Even growing fingernails? Yeah, your body's like, whoa. Your body's like, you know what? A lion is chasing us and this is not the time. <laughs> we shunt, don't need these fingernails right now, okay? <laughs> shunt resources, our precious <laughs> resources into fingernails and hair. Just fucking run. Right. So, so that's what's happening. That's how stress is impacting men's and women's and people's libidos, right? Just your body is saying, whoa, we're in fight or flight. And the fight or flight response to COVID, it's like we're at this super stressed level as if we're being chased by a lion every single day. So that's why it's normal for your libido to be taking a beating, right? Mm -hmm. And the the stress response triggers um, the release of hormones uh, like epinephrine, and cortisol, and high levels of those can further reduce a guy's sex drive, as some people call it. I call it libido because it's not really a drive. You won't die if you don't have sex, even though you'll feel like it. <laughs> so there's just there are just some of the physiological underpinnings of why people are really struggling during COVID and why stress yeah. management can really help him. What are the things that you like to tell people, Whitney, um, for stress management, given that stress management can really improve your libido? Well, I think, unfortunately, like it it does take a little bit of effort, you know, because stress management is things that you kind of have to do outside of the norm of what you're already doing. Um, So maybe it is meditation. Maybe it is working out. Maybe it is seeing a therapist, like talking about these things. Maybe it is just giving yourself like a moment to just breathe and maybe turning off Fox News or whatever news <laughs> is you're being inundated with all of the bad news. Please, you know? please don't watch that. It's not news. Back to you, Whitney. <laughs> right, exactly. Or whatever fake news everyone is watching these days. <laughs> so yeah. just kind of give yourself a, a beat. Take a minute. I love I love your suggestions for stress management because we know that stress kills your libido. Okay, so what did you say? You said meditation, exercising, mm-hmm. yeah, journal, um, journaling. As journaling can be about. huge. Even I think, you know, giving yourself permission to enjoy being with people, be like hang out with your friends. You know, yeah. I feel like sometimes we're so locked in this idea that I have so much to do. We have so much stress. You know, I don't have time for anything when really you do have have some time, especially yeah. if it's going to be nurturing to you. You spend your time nurturing yourself, being able to to connect with people, um, even FaceTiming or Zoom, just giving yourself yeah. that that time to enjoy it That's is so going to help. I 
Amen. I mean, yeah, that's the other piece of the self-care, right? That Mm -hmm. he could make sure, like exactly like you said, he could make sure that he is getting that face-to-face time with people he loves and people who love him because then instead of that issue with all the cortisol and epinephrine messing up his libido and his stress levels, then he's getting a nice shot of some dopamine, some norepinephrine, some Mm -hmm. other, he's getting a hit of all those delicious things um, that will help lower his cortisol level and help him get in touch again with his libido. Could I say one other thing? Please. Babe, do you have a lot of clients right now who are on SSRIs because the yes. pandemic has been so stressful? Talk about talk yes. about what that's doing to your clients' libidos. I'm so curious. Crushing. It's <sighs> crushing it. It's just, it's almost non-existent for them, you know? And, and it's sad because they may need this right now. So what do we do? What, what have mm. you been finding out about this as well? I'd love to hear your input into this. Yeah, I'm finding the same thing that more people are on SSRIs. And I think what you're probably suggesting is what I will suggest, which is telling people there are some SSRIs that will impact your libido more than others. And there are some that will do it much less. Mm -hmm. So have a talk with your psycho farm or, you know, whoever is in charge of this for you. And I would say, prioritize this like it's a vital issue. Don't mm. don't accept your doctor saying to you, look, the most important thing is, is that you're not clinically depressed. Yes, that's super important. But if your sex life matters a lot to you or your partner's libido matters a lot to you, that is a precious thing and a high priority. And there are ways to work your SSRIs which are necessary and which save people's well-being and their lives. Um, But there are ways to adjust them. So know that. Don't just Mm -hmm. feel like, right? Like people talk to me like they feel like it's a blanket thing. I'm never going to have an orgasm again. I'm never going to be interested in sex again. I have to be on these SSRIs right now. And I'm like, Uh. wait a second. There is a solution here. And you just have to advocate for yourself and your libido and your partner and no, yep, we can go on different SSRIs or adjust levels to get to the point where that important thing, libido, is happening again. Mm-hmm. I mean, Boom. Yeah. Gosh. Right. That's going to be huge for a lot of people. I just know it. I hope so. so. Thank you, Wednesday. You thank know, you for that. Oh, my gosh. Do you know what you often say that I love so much? Hmm. I have heard you so many times say, if your partner's libido is an issue, I learned this turn of phrase from you. Then focus on sensation, not sex for a while. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. And per- I always say too, when it comes to our penis having partners, if they're having a hard time getting hard or there's all of the stress around it, whatever it is, it's like, okay, let's let's take the let's take the focus off the penis. Oh and snap. put the focus on the sensation, on each other, on that connection. Like we're also penis focused. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, heterosexuals have that bummer thing going down, right? Yeah. We're, like, we're like penetrative. I mean, Lori Mintz talked to us about this, how we just fetishize for heterosexuals. We 
fetishized penetration and intercourse. And wow, that just puts a lot more pressure on the penis to your point. So how do people respond when you tell them, okay, give it a break for a little while and for a little while, focus on sensation, not sex. Do the men feel, do the straight men feel freed up by that? How does that work when you're working with couples? Yeah, I think at first they're like, oh, that's that's a little out there. You know, like, what do you mean? Don't focus on the sex. But then as we start to talk about it and understand it, because it's kind of, it's going to force them a little bit to have conversations that they probably wouldn't have normally. Um, and yeah. so that can be a little scary and a little vulnerable to continue to learn exactly how their partner wants to be pleasured. Because they're like, what if I, what if I've been with them for 10 years and I've been doing this one technique and they actually don't like that. <laughs> And so it's like a big hit to their ego, but it does eventually take so much pressure off of them because it's like, okay, I don't have to worry about what's going on below the pants for me. You know, it's just, I am here to learn about each other and to give pleasure to each other. And it's so much fun to find new areas and new places that feel good, right? Oh, what an adventure, right? I, I, yeah. Yeah, I feel like we just gave her a lot of good pointers and I, I hope it helps. Not just her, we gave gay men uh, whose partners are, whose male partners have a dip in libido, some good things to try, queer people. I mean, this works across the board, but the penetrative sex, letting go of it, uh, focusing on other things instead and how that can free you up and pave the way to discovery. I love your point about that. I was just talking about how if we stop fetishizing intercourse, it'll like take a stress off the guy. But you're saying, hold up. Yeah, true. The, exactly, you're like, though. You're like, that, that paves the way to fun. Mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. that reframe. Mm-hmm. Hey, let us know how it goes with those suggestions for, you know, handling stress and handling. Yeah, I want her to let us know how it goes. Yes. All right. This next question is a question that you got. And I love it because we hear this a bunch and it's basically saying, help, my vagina is dry. God bless. <laughs> I mean, right? This is, I, you know what? I just want to say something about this. This is from, um, this is from a woman, uh, well, a vagina haver um, who, and I I'm 54. I'm almost 55. So I hear a lot, you know, sometimes I post about um, menopause and hormonal um, shifts and stuff. And it's such a shameful topic for women. It's like they feel like, well, I'm becoming irrelevant in the world, right? Because we value Uh like women in their 20s and 30s. Why? Because we prioritize male pleasure, right? Mm -hmm. It's like all a big uh, connected thing. So I just want to give her props for asking the question. And mm-hmm. right, this is usually a thing that happens during perimenopause and menopause, right? Yeah. Estrogen helps you maintain that fluid and it helps keep the lining of your vagina like elastic and thick and healthy. So during perimenopause and menopause, there's a drop in estrogen levels and it just reduces the amount of of moisture available. So I just want to tell her, first of all, what she's normal. Yes. Uh, she's, totally. This is a normal thing. There's nothing pathological about it. She's not broken. And we tend to really pathologize menopause. Senescence um, is just a normal 
part of the life history of the human female. And so I just don't want her to have a menopause freak out on top of this issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the other thing is too, right? It, at least this is what I found from being on birth control too. Birth control can affect that. Yeah. Because exactly. of, yeah. Um, because of it, because it's hormonal birth control. So we're pumping our bodies with birth control. And then it's also, I found that it varies throughout my menstrual cycle. Very interesting point. Cause yeah, back to this thing about the estrogen levels, um, dropping for many reasons. And that's what causes vaginal dryness. So birth control, your menstrual cycle, um, childbirth and breastfeeding, Mm. radiation or chemo, if you're being treated for cancer. Um, and some women take, um, anti-estrogen medications, uh, to treat like fibroids or endometriosis. So that can also, right. That can be impacting it. And, yeah. oh, you know what else? This is funny. Women get in touch with me about this. They're freaking out that they have vaginal dryness and can't have an orgasm. And I'm not a doctor, but a lot of times I say, are you on cold medicine right now? Are you taking any cold meds or allergy, oh, wow. or allergy meds? Because those can contribute to vaginal drying. And you know what? Another thing that can contribute to vaginal dryness, back to those antidepressants. Mm. Love them, need them, but there's that. All right, solutions, right? Yes. Solutions. Okay. You can use stuff um, to moisturize your vagina. There was people freaked out for a long time about HRT. There was a woman's health initiative study done in the early 2000s. You were like a baby, Whitney. <laughs> but <laughs> but, but um, a lot of women might be getting their information about hormone replacement therapy, if this is the reason, if it's from menopause, a lot of women are very uh, skeptical or anxious to consider hormone replacement therapy because of this big study that came out in the early 2000s that showed that going on HRT uh, was basically in the in the aggregate and overall bad for women's health, right? Led to increased risk of breast cancer, heart disease, and other really big deal things. Hmm. Okay, but hold up. Later, we realized that that study was only done on women who had already been through menopause for a minute at least. So these were all older women who had already been through menopause and then they went on HRT. If you're not in that category, Think about HRT because now the new research is showing that it has all kinds of benefits. I'm on HRT, changed my life. I don't have a dry vagina and a lot, and I have great sleep and a lot of other things. Now, that sounds awesome. It's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. When did I say you should get on HRT? Because I'm about ready. You sign sign me up. (laughs) (laughs) You're a little young, babe, but you know, this is a good point you make. How old are you, Wit? 31. So perimenopause for some women starts in their mid-30s, and that's not too early to go in and to find yourself a doctor who believes in perimenopause. That bitch named Perry, you always like to say. The bitch named Perry. (laughs) (laughs) Find somebody who believes in it, who understands it, who knows about it, and who can help you make a plan. Usually, you're not having vaginal dryness in the early stages of peri, but Find somebody who can help you through this journey. And for women experiencing vaginal dryness and it's from menopause, 
you deserve to still be a sexual person. Like, hell yeah. Yeah. A lot of women are like, no, I guess I'm just supposed to be dead um, because this is how we evolved. Like, I'm irrelevant now. Hell no. <laughs> you are supposed to live a long time and be a grandmother. One of the reasons that we're here as a species is grandmothers helped. And you, but you're also, come on, we live in a changed up world and you're allowed to be as sexual as you want as long as you want. Oh, wit. Make your point back to your point about penetrative sex and vaginal dryness. Yeah, there we go. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is like, I, from what I've read, at least, is, is that most people actually don't produce enough lubrication for vaginal penetration for lo- long enough, right? For it to feel mm-hmm. good yeah. for however long we want. If we want it for 20 minutes, I mean, it's hard for me to stay wet that long. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a challenge because your mind is there doing stuff. I mean, some people, uh, just to get back to these older women or, you know, I don't like to think of myself as older, but I'm going to turn 55. But So women in this cohort who are not on HRT yet, if that's too big a commitment or too scary, for the vaginal dryness alone, you can just do a little, uh, you can talk to a doctor, please and do a little topical estrogen therapy, mm-hmm. right? You can just do some cream that you either rub in your vagina or on your on your skin. And the other thing I wanted to say, Wit, is um, a lot of women will go to a functional medical doctor, a functional MD, and those functional MDs will work with you about diet, right? For vaginal Oh, right. Because you know this, there are some foods that are powerful phytoestrogens and that can help raise your estrogen levels that way. Yams mm-hmm. and others. Just don't just do it on the internet. Just go to your doctor, find a functional MD. You can do a Zoom call or whatever. Somebody who understands how nutrition might be able to help you if you're you know, not quite to the point where you even want to do a topical estrogen. Those are my yeah, thoughts. Yeah. I love that. And I I just now remembered that when I was on birth control and I was, I mean, I've been on birth control, I guess now for four, four-ish years, five years or something, but oh. this is early on. So I had to be like 23. And I remember my gynecologist prescribed me an estrogen cream because I was having pain during penetration. Okay. Um, I never ended up using it, okay. but I just wish I would have known that maybe it was actually the birth control that was causing it because right. I, I haven't had it since I've been off of birth control. Now, I don't know. It wasn't, you know, I don't exactly know that that was the case, but no. I'm just drawing a, some of the lines together here. I love it. I mean, you're right. It does change your estrogen level and that can affect it. And you know what they could have given you instead of an estrogen cream? I just want to say this to all the women listening who have issues with this. In addition to just not fetishizing penetration, but hey, some of us are totally into intercourse. And if you don't want to do the topical cream even, and if the diet changes uh, don't work, there are products like Replens that you can just get at the drugstore. It's like a vaginal moisturizer. Um, And so, you know, that could be a a good solution too. But solutions are in reach, you know. And And what about just some lube? Like lube it up. You know, mm, yeah. really just go for the lube. I, I, some people are a, a little, I think, embarrassed to use lube sometimes. Um, yeah. Girl, yeah. not me. You should see my lube drawer. I have <laughs> all the lube from all the different companies, from from all the different, you know, depending on what kind of sex I want to have, what kind of toys I want to use. <laughs> like I am lubed, locked, and ready. Look, I need Whitney. 
Will you please send me a photo of your lube drawer? I will. Yes. I will <laughs> I send a photo of my lube drawer. That's going to brighten my day a lot. You know, I just wanted to say one last thing, which you and I are very into self-care. Sometimes bubble baths and scented soaps and scented lotions can lead to vaginal dryness. And also, don't douche. Don't douche. No. <laughs> Do not douche. Keep the douche away. Leave it at the drugstore. Do not be that person that I catch buying a damn douche, okay? Because that'll lead to vaginal dryness and it'll mess up your vaginal microbiome. Did you know, you guys, that just like you have a gut microbiome, you have a vaginal microbiome. That's right. I take this thing that I love called Femdophilus because I go in Mm. a hot tub sometimes and my functional MD is like, if you're going to go in that hot tub and put all that chlorine you know, messing up your skin and messing up your vajay, take some femdophilus. Um, so that could help too. Do you have time for another one, Wit? I know you got a hop. Yeah, I do. I actually thought my call was now, but it's in an hour. So. Oh, snap. We're Boom. A, we're in a good place. What one do you want to do next? Read us our next one, babe. All right. The next one is, am I queer? Just that. That is so, I well, go say it. I I mean it's a, such a great question and I also think very exciting because if you're wanting to explore this then there's a whole area and part of yourself that you haven't fully explored yet. I mean again yeah. I'm going to say it I totally agree with you and props to this person. Mhm something to talk about is that depending on what community or communities you're part of, being queer might feel like more of a burden and it might in reality be more stigmatized. Like, for example, we had unapologetic Black sexologist Michelle Hope on our Mm -hmm. podcast. We got to get her back on too. I know. Let's do that. And she talked about, you know, her own experience being biracial and seeing, and also being a sex educator in Harlem and in, um, in LA in communities of color and seeing how there was a lot of homophobia in these black and brown communities where she was working and that these kids sometimes, you know, sometimes they got a lot of support from their families if they came out as queer, but other times uh, they got turned out on the street. So depending on the community that you're in, this can feel like a very scary thing to be wondering whether you're queer or knowing that you are and just, you know, you got to find that community, right? How do you recommend that people find community to, to explore this issue safely with? Well, I think, you know, obviously now it's different times. We're in a pandemic, so it's going to be more challenging if you're, if you want to go to a sex party or if you want to go, you know, meet people who are in that same community. Um, So online, really like diving into, there's like a go, go magazine, which, um, is a great resource for people in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what's the one in, in New York that we really, Open Love New, NY? So Open Love is for people who are poly, but I think they may, they may have support uh, for LGBTQ um, people who are looking for some support there. And mm-hmm. that, yeah, I mean, finding your support and your community is just a hugely important thing, isn't it? 
Yeah. And the thing is, we ha- we all have Instagram now, right? And people who are, you know, out there sharing their story very openly, go and follow those people. You know, see what sparks your interest. See if you can start having a conversation with them. A lot of the times they'll be sharing their story that may be similar to yours. Yeah, that is such a good point to connect with people who can lift you up, show you by example that being queer doesn't have to be uh, the end of anything. It's the beginning of a great adventure. I love that you mentioned Go Magazine. Now, this is going to sound kind of boring. I don't know how old this person is. But I really like uh, the CDC website has resources. They have a topic, which is lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender health. Mm-hmm. And you can go on the CDC website and they will, they have a list of resources. If you're LGBTQ youth, they have a list of resources for you. If you're a grown up and you're struggling with am I queer, they have resources for you. So I... I like the CDC website um, for information like this. I think it's really helpful. I like going to a resource like Go Magazine, which has a list of resources. Um, And to your point, finding online support can be huge right now when we can't hook up with people and connect with people in the same ways. I mean, amen to that. But find, Mm -hmm. find that community. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. Community for everything. And by the way, I didn't even mention like a lot of our podcast listeners um, are women and a lot of them are heterosexual. So if this is a woman wondering, you know, am I queer and is there something wrong with me? Nope. Read Mm -mm. Lisa Diamond's book, Female Sexual Fluidity, Mm -hmm. and understand that uh, some people believe that for women, even more than men, because men experience more stigma for it sexual fluidity is a thing that happens. And I mean, I hear from women all the time who are in long-term heterosexual marriages, and then suddenly they feel a really strong attraction to a woman and they think, holy shit, I've lost my mind. No, you haven't. You're a woman who sexual orientation is a real thing, but some people have another thing going on, which is fluidity. So you just might be one of those people and that's normal. And if if this is a woman struggling with this issue and she's straight and married, and that's why this issue feels so urgent, I would recommend that she read Lisa Diamond's book on female sexual fluidity and know that she is in great company. And there are plenty of women who have been married to men who figured out a way to deal with, you know, what they might think of as like late onset queerness. It's not, <laughs> it's not, it's not late and it's not weird. Nope, it's not. Yeah. Cool. That's so good. That makes me happy for that person. <laughs> I love how you're framing so many things as an adventure today. And an yeah, opportunity. Maybe I'm just in an adventurous spirit, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Next up. What are ways to initiate sex with my partner of 10 years? Um, again, I want to get your insight on this because you've been with your partner for how long? 19? Joel and I have been married for 20 years. 20 years. Yeah, we had our 20th wedding anniversary in quarantine. <laughs> wow. What did you guys do? Happy anniversary, by the way. I can't believe I didn't know Thank this. You. 20 years, right? It does feel like an accomplishment. You know, we were at the height of the pandemic in New York City when it happened. Mm-hmm. Our anniversary is at the end of March. Oh, and God. So you're going to disapprove of this, Whitney, because I know you tell people all the time that we need to celebrate and 
we need to observe milestones. And I appreciate that you always remind <laughs> me of that. But I got to admit, we didn't celebrate it. It's just me. I'm, I'm like, sorry. yay, more reasons to celebrate. Play. Let's have a party. Woo! <laughs> That's a good idea. So this person is saying it's been 10 years. I presume the subtext here is it's because she or he is saying, what are ways to initiate sex with my partner of 10 years? I mean, Whitney, this means that what he or she or they are saying is for not having it. Yeah, probably like it's, I feel like the implication is it's been 10 years and we're getting bored, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or right. or, or, or there is. Um, or it's been a while since they've had sex and now they feel anxious about initiating yeah. it maybe. So it could be an issue that one of them has hypoactive desire disorder, right? Like that there's, or let's just say this, they just have discordant desire or discrepant desire. That happens, mm-hmm. right? I mean, how often do you see discrepant desire among your clients? And what do you tell them about discrepant it's, desire? Gosh, it's so normal. And it's so normal. And I also feel like it can, that can shift from, you know, person to person depending on where you guys are at in your relationship or in your life. If somebody is having, you know, a lot of stress at work, maybe the other partner is feeling more sexual and that's normal, but these can flip-flop depending on where where we're at. That's such a good point. When it flip-flops, do your clients get, is it scary for them or anxious for them? Like if you go from the partner who's desired all the time and you're putting the brakes on a little bit and then it flips and you're feeling more desire, is that how do people handle that? Is it scary? I think it's a combination of both because sometimes, yes, it can be scary. And then we start thinking what's wrong with me. Um, And then the other side of it, you can try to understand where this is coming from because you've been there too. Um, So what are the things that you did to help with that discrepancy prior to this? And most of the time it comes down to really talking about this and, and, you know, maybe getting rid of some of the stress, um, maybe putting an effort into making sure that we're connecting outside of just, you know, sexually, but really connecting with each other. Um, And then asking like, how do you want to be touched? How do you want to, how do you want me to initiate this? Mm, I love that. I mean, first of all, I love this idea of concentric rings of connection. Like Mm. people probably, this is such a good point. You're saying that like people might think that all their connection needs to happen in the bed, that that's where sexual connection starts and ends. But you're saying, no, let's blow those circles out. Connection and sex are happening when you're making dinner together. You're like laying the groundwork for that, right? Yeah. I mean, that's I mean, that makes me hot just thinking about it. You know, <laughs> if you're if you're in the if you're making dinner together, maybe he or she comes up and kisses you on the neck or just lightly brushes, brushes your nipples, or just like a little something here and there, you know, and yeah. just it doesn't always have to go straight to the bedroom. It's like, let's build this up a little bit. And just because maybe I I get turned on by being kissed on the neck doesn't mean that my partner does. So what are the ways that he can be, I can turn him on? You know, because I feel like sometimes we think I get turned on by being kissed. So clearly my partner is going to be turned on by being kissed. That might not be actually the case. I love that. And I love that you said to like, have a conversation. Could you turn it into a game when you're having a conversation with your partner about what turns her on or what turns him on? Yeah. I mean, why not? I mean, (laughs) I have this book that I've never looked at called Sex Games. Ooh, tell me more. Well, I need to look at that. 
book called Sex Games. And I think that it includes things like games to help you get to the place where you're figuring out what your partner likes. You're having a conversation, but you're also, you know, maybe blindfolding them or um, like you said, kissing them in different places and seeing where they respond the most. Or So I like that a lot. Can I put a science piece into this? Please. I love it. Okay. I wanted to say that this person who wrote has been with their partner for 10 years. So there's this idea that we have that men have stronger libidos. We talked earlier about how in the aggregate, men and women have very similar uh, libidos. And we also have this big idea that men just want to keep having sex a lot forever and monogamy is harder for them um, in heterosexual relationships. But now we know from newer science, put on your seatbelt listeners, um, that in the aggregate, it is women who start getting bored in monogamous relationships sooner. Ooh, I know people are ooh, uh, just feeling that one. <laughs> yep. <laughs> because every time we say that, someone's like, uh-uh. Mm-mm, not me. Guess what? Guess what? Not you're in my a, relationship. It, you're an N of one person. And, and, that, <laughs> and you matter. But what really matters is what does the science tell us about this monogamy issue in the aggregate and what it tells us? And in my book on True, I get into it a lot. And also in my article in the Atlantic called Women, the Bored Sex. No offense to anybody, but I summarize all this exciting new research that shows that within years one to four, it's normal for women especially to experience a drop in desire. So if this is a guy writing about his female partner, hey, let's reframe this. It's not that women like sex less. It's that women start to struggle with having sex with the same person over and over sooner in the aggregate than their male partners do. So man, get some novelty in there for her because women need novelty and variety and sexual adventure more than we ever knew. So if you're talking about initiating sex with your female partner, your vagina having partner of 10 years, just know about that. Have a read of those things that I recommended or just know that it's normal that she experiences a lack a drop in desire. It's not that she doesn't want to have sex. It's that sex with the same person over and over and over is particularly challenging for women after years one to four. Now, if you're a guy, you need to be giving her that variety and novelty and adventure. And wit, I'm handing this off to you. How do you do that? Whether it's your male partner or your female partner, sex is stale after 10 years. Whitney, how do you tell your clients to get the novelty and adventure and variety that a lot of us need to feel it after 10 years. I mean, we, I mean, this is things that we've talked about too. You know, it's not, it can help by not getting ready together. As simple as that. You know, you don't want to be brushing your teeth while he's shaving his nose hair before you go on a date. <laughs> <laughs> Women hate over-familiarization. Men can, men can recover from that. Marta Miana, the sex researcher, discovered you guys. And Women have a hard time recovering from that. Like, go on with. Yeah. And I I am so that person, (laughs) you know, I am definitely that. So I think we can start by doing things like that. But also there's other ways, you know, you can try to dive into 
Tantra and Tantra sex. And what does that look like? And how does that even, even work? You know, I'm going through Layla Martin's course and that's a lot of the things that they're diving into. And it's a completely different world that can deepen the intimacy between partners. If you're filled, you know, if you're called to do that. Um, so there's just so, what a great project to take on together. Yeah. I mean, why not? Really? Yeah. What is it? It's, I don't think it would, it's going to hurt your relationship. You know, if anything, it's like an expansion of what's possible. And if it's, if it's bringing you to better pleasure or more pleasure more often then I don't know, but you sign me up. Any first name on the list, Whitney Miller. That more pleasure, yeah, more <laughs> more pleasure, and like that's an adventure for a couple to go into. There, how do, how do you feel about uh, role play and fantasy for giving people that hit of novelty and adventure I love it. and excitement? How, I love it. How would somebody who's inhibited about that go about it with? Well, I think having an idea of what you're interested in, maybe you can watch some porn, you know, and see like, ooh, I I like how that how that works together. Um, and I can try maybe, you know, you always hear like, you can put on a wig, you can do all of this, but what if you really got into character, you know, like really did it, went, went for it and just see what happened from that. I also think, I mean, I love, you know, switching the polarity. So maybe if someone is, is usually more submissive in the bedroom, maybe switch it to where that person's a little bit more dominant and see how that feels. How fun is that? And toys. I love toys. I mean, I know me and you are, are some of our best friends are vibrators. And we love our vibrators. Bring them in. Just ship them on in. Bring them in in a big old bag. I'm ready for it. You're ready for it because you got that whole drawer full of lube. Right. Exactly. I, love these. I love these suggestions. Yeah. A new lube could be a way to get variety and novelty and adventure. All these things you're saying about role play and fantasy. Do you know how many people get in touch with me and say, what can I do? And I say, have you watched porn ever together with your partner of 10 years? And they're like, nope. And I'm like, Mm. wait a second. So you're doing parallel porn. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, yep, they're doing theirs and I'm doing mine. And so sometimes I say, well, what if instead of doing parallel porn, what if you did some perpendicular porn? What if you brought a porn (laughs) to be something that you do together. That's a pretty easy fix. And then people will say to me, no, my porn usage is really private. And I say, well, you know what? Take a risk with your partner. Yeah. That could really spark, right? Because then they're like, oh, this is what they're watching. I didn't know they liked watching this. And if they don't want to do it, we don't always want to do what turns us on in porn, but we probably want to hear about it or have hear about it. That's maybe, what I was just thinking. Maybe talk dirty to us about it. Right. Mm-hmm. And if maybe it's not porn, maybe listen to erotica. Ooh. Right. Like have that playing in the background. Mm, that sounds fun. I actually haven't done that, but I'm going to now. I, I was <laughs> I was like, I have a feeling that's about to happen. That is definitely about to happen. 100%. <laughs> yeah. When you're married for 20 years, you need to, like I have been, you need to tackle this issue head on. And when I wrote Untrue, it was just like, oh my God, I could say to my husband, like, we're normal. We're normal that I'm having this dip in desire and that we need to search out variety and novelty and adventure, not for men, which is what we always say, but also, and maybe even more so for women. So I just think knowing the science knowing that you're a normal human female being a normal human female, if you have a higher libido than your dude, or if you're bored with your dude or your girlfriend, that's pretty normal. 
Yeah. And it just feels so nice to hear that. Like, oh, okay, I'm not crazy. All of these, you know, desires and fantasies and emotions and thoughts are normal. Like, regardless of where we're from and our backgrounds, a lot of the times we feel the same exact way. (laughs) I hope I didn't take us on a tangent with the low desire thing, because what this person wants to know is actually how do I initiate it? Like, do they mean like, give me some sexy techniques? Because if so, Whitney, what are the sexy techniques for actually initiating other than thinking beyond the tiny circle of the bedroom and thinking of concentric circles of sexuality? What are some favorite initiation tactics? It's going to vary from person to person, but what do you find that that works across the board, if that's possible, given your work and what you see? Yeah, you know, it's kind of, I mean, we touched on it a little bit, I think, but we could definitely dive into it some more. And like I said, I think how we initiate is is personal. Like, what does our partner really want from us? Do they love to be kissed? Do they love to be grabbed? Do they love, you know, to be caressed very softly. Like what are some of the ways that you can start to build that sexual tension between you guys? And, you know, like I said, I think it's just because if I want to be kissed doesn't necessarily mean that my partner wants to be kissed. So start to understand what they really like and, and touch, right? Like touch can be huge of just, of, of touching their head, touching their butt, touching their vulva, their penis, like just allowing that touch to flow instead of just like, you know, okay, now it's time for sex and bang it out. And then we're done, which has its place too. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) (laughs) It has its place. Just initiating by being like, let's do it. Right. Mm -hmm. Which happens Mm -hmm. to a lot of people who are couples for long-term uh, couples. I've read a lot of studies about how the long-term couples who are able to remain sexually satisfied in the long term, um, they do two things. They talk about sex and also people are going to hate this. They schedule it. I know, right? I always, I recommend scheduling sex, but people don't like it. It's like, it takes the spontaneity out of it. Yeah. People just want to be like unlocked magically. Right? Right. That can happen sometimes, but not all the time. I wanted to ask you one last question about this question, Whitney. How much are people, especially women who initiate sex, but maybe men too, how much are women struggling with, I'm supposed to let the guy do it? And how much are people in general, when they initiate, struggling with, what if my partner doesn't want to and I feel really rejected? Yeah, that's a big one. That's a really big one is, so we feel like the man needs to do it, right? Or whoever holds that masculine polarity in the relationship, Mm -hmm. they're the ones that have to take us into the bedroom and we might be horny in the morning, but maybe they're not. And and just whatever story that we start to create in our mind leads to anxiousness of not wanting to, um, you know, initiate it because what happens if we get rejected? And if we get rejected, does that mean they don't think I'm sexy? Is that not, do they not like the way that I look today? Am I gaining weight? Am I too skinny? Like we start having all of these ideas of why we are being quote unquote rejected when really maybe they are just not feeling well, or maybe they're just not totally in the mood right now. And that's completely okay. Um, That's a big one for people is the rejection. Hey, remember when we had Remy on? Remy, who does the mm-hmm. How Come podcast. Gosh, I love Remy. Yes. Do you remember when she talked about how she has a higher libido than her boyfriend? Yeah. And she used to feel rejected. And then 
instead of retreating in anger when he was like, you know what, I'm not really in the mood, she started asking for what she wanted. And she said, okay, well, will you hold me while I use my vibrator? Yeah, that's right. And she told us that that just changed everything. She she didn't feel so resentful. She didn't feel like a freak for having a higher libido. She didn't feel like she was weirdly unfeminine. She just felt like, wow, I fixed this by asking for what would work. Like he doesn't want to have sex with me, but let's reframe what sex is. When he's holding me while I'm using my vibrator and kissing me, that's sex. Yeah. And she was like, you know, he he said, I can totally do that. I love to do that. Just right now, maybe the idea or having the time or whatever it is to fully have have sex, penetrative sex, is just not really what he's feeling. But he's like, hell yeah, I'm turned on by watching you, you know, use your vibrator and I'm here for you. And I kiss, he can kiss on her. I mean, I think it's just such a great, such a great reframe and such a great idea for anybody who's who may be feeling that same way. It's like, okay, no worries, babe. I totally understand. Can you hold me while I use my vibrator? Can you do this while I use my vibrator? Yeah. Like don't just retreat in anger and rejection. Just ask for something different that you want. And if you're the person with the lower libido at the moment or in general, I think um, offer, like if you're listening and you're the person on the side of the equation where right now or in general, you want to have sex less. Think about things that you can offer next time you say no. No, mm-hmm. I can't, no, I can't, but I'll tell you a story. Um, no, I can't, but I'll hold you while you use your vibrator. Um, no, I can't, but I'll kiss you while you jerk off. Right? Right. And, yeah. Yeah. One thing that I've done is, is, okay, if I'm not interested in that right now, it's like I will basically put on like a little show for them you know? And it's like, they can check off and I'll, you know, show my body and really like open up to that because they find that sexy. I, it doesn't take any sort of real, you know, effort on, on my point. I'm getting what I want because I'm still making my partner happy and then vice versa. And then boom. Oh, that's great. You do like a little strip teaser. You just do a little dance. <laughs> yeah. You do a little show. You can do a little yeah. show. That can be another thing you offer, right? If you're not exactly for it. Love it. We we covered that question. We wow, we covered that question. We totally did. <laughs> um, and then there's the last one. Everyone wants to see our faces again Wednesday. Everyone's like, when are we going to get back on YouTube? Oh, well, thank God for BoxyCharm so I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I've been getting those DM2s. What, what do you think I'm that's ex- about? I'm excited. I love it. You know, I think people are consuming content a little bit differently these days. And so if you guys are at home, we are going to go back to video. The reason we haven't been doing video is because of COVID and we haven't been in the same area. And we've just had some trouble trying to figure out exactly, like, we want we want it to look really good for you guys, basically. Yeah, and so, But we're figuring it out and we're going to be on YouTube not too long so you can see our faces. We'll be there. And you know what I like about this question that both of us have been getting so much? I love that it's a way that people are saying to us, we want to feel more connected to you. And I just want to say to them, I want to feel more connected to you too. And so does Whitney. And we mm-hmm. know we know that getting our faces there, um, which I mean, it's COVID time, right? You and I, Whitney, do not have like, sometimes when we recorded with video in the studio, you and I would get professional hair and makeup, although you're so good at it, you don't need it. 
well, nobody needs it. We don't need it. But it's not going to be like that. It's going to be so real and raw. <laughs> oh, yeah. Can I actually tell y'all something right now? I do not have a shirt on. I have oh. zero shirt on right now. Oh, my God. <laughs> I I have. I'm wearing like a hoodie. What are you wearing? When okay. I never wear a bra, but right now I am because I'm wearing a white hoodie. But I have the white hoodie pulled up like around my neck entirely. So it's like a cape. So I'm sitting here. <laughs> I'm sitting here in my Adidas track pants, my <laughs> my uh, gold slippers, and my Cute. and my bra wearing my hoodie as a cape because I'm superwoman today, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and here I am in Nike shorts and no shirt. <laughs> that is excellent. I like that a lot. And you know what? We can just make it really real and raw. I mean, I guess we're going to have to put our shirts on for this, but what, we could do it in our bathing suits or our bras. Like what? We can just get a whole bunch of pasties. Is there a law against us doing our podcast in our underpants? If there and is, whoever invented that is a terrible human being. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys just stay tuned for not just the fact that we're going to be on YouTube again, but we're going to be on YouTube again, just pushing all the boundaries. Count boundaries. on Count exactly. on <laughs> uh, This was awesome. Well, if you guys enjoyed the Q&A, let us know as always. It's, it helps us out so much if you leave a review on iTunes and um, let's do more of these. Let's so do keep more sending your. Yeah, absolutely. Keep sending your questions. And even if we don't do a question box, uh, just send in your questions and we will do our best to get them answered on any of our shows. Great. I love it. Thanks for listening, everybody. And see you next time, Wit. See you next time. Hey, we hope you enjoyed this podcast. And if you did, it would help us a lot if you would leave a review. Yeah, leave a review, subscribe. We want to know how you guys felt about the episode. It really helps us out a lot to continue the success of the podcast and keep spreading our message.